This is the Ops Authority Podcast, where my mission is to break down the backside of your business so you can take the right actions to grow and scale. Hey, I'm Natalie Gingrich, a small business operations expert, and I'm going to give you a front row seat to real solutions that will help you reach the vision that you have for your business, all while equipping you to put out those inevitable pesky fires and those fears that pop up. Listen in for strategies to grow your team, craft the systems and processes that you need for your business, and establish business foundations that you may have skipped over. I know you're ready to do really big things, so let's do it together. Welcome back, my friends. You have landed on the Ops Authority podcast today, and I'm Natalie Gingrich. I am the founder of the Ops Authority and the creator and author of the Director of Operations Certification Program. Today, we have an amazing student who's recently come through the program here to talk to you about her experience, both before and after coming into our community of certified directors of operations. And I love that you're going to have the opportunity to hear her story. I know as she was coming through the program and I was getting to know her, I was finding myself in a parallel with her. And I think that you'll find the exact same thing. When we do these highlights of our students, I am often hearing from other community members, oh my goodness, I was just like this, or I saw it this way, but I never called myself this. And so I love unraveling and telling those stories for our entire community here. So Let's get going today. We have Stacy Norris, and Stacy is a wife, a mom of three, and a tea mom to many, a business owner and a small business advisor. She's passionate about helping fellow parent service entrepreneurs, and we're going to talk about that a little bit more, find more freedom, grow their business, and make an impact in the world. As a certified director of operations with over 20 years of organizational experience, Stacy excels at solving problems and integrating strategies, systems, and support. She brings big picture thinking and a family first approach, as well as genuine excitement for helping her clients optimize their way to success. By staying curious and continuously learning, Stacy helps her clients discover new possibilities and reclaim flexibility and joy as a parent business owner. Man, I love that you have laid it all out there. I really feel like like you did an amazing job at writing that bio because it summarizes the Stacy I know, and I love the integrity between that. So welcome to the show, Stacey. Thank you. I am so excited and honored to be here. This is a great experience. So let's tell the listeners today what you were doing before you came to the Ops Authority or even before you found the Ops Authority. So I'd been in my own business for a little bit, maybe a year, year and a half. I was just doing kind of probably the way a lot of other people start out. I was doing general admin support, I would say. I quickly got to a place of three retainer clients. And yeah, I feel like I, you know, at first it was great and exciting. And I was, you know, taking on things and making my clients happy. But then I think I got into the same spot as a lot of other people where I started to feel like I was, work was taking over and I was doing too much and not feeling like myself anymore, really. Yeah. What kind of work were you doing for them? I know you said admin, but kind of dive a little bit deeper into what you were doing. Sure. So some calendar management, project management, and really that probably, I mean, so I'd say some not really team management. Like I didn't really have any direct reports to me, but I became, I was starting to become a little bit of a sounding board for my CEOs as far as, you know, talking through with them interactions with other people on their team. 
I'm sure that gift of curiosity is what pulled them or gave them the the ability to have those two-way conversations with you. And I know we kind of highlighted that in your intro, but curiosity seems to open that up. And then when you've got leadership on top of that, you build that strong partnership. And so I can see just from that tiny experience that you were already, you know, starting to be that strategic partner that that business owners are, and that I'm sure that you have eventually grown to be. So I know we're about the same age and we have a lot of experience. And I know that that was the most recent experience before you came into the DOO program. What were you doing before that? What did your professional experience look like, say from your twenties till that point? So I started out clinically in an orthopedic practice, and I was specifically in the beginning on the pediatric side of the practice. When I started there in the beginning, there were two peds-focused doctors and three adult. My original role was clinical support, telephone triage, and surgery scheduling. So that's what I started in. And then I evolved into the clinical supervisor, which involved both sides of the practice, peds and ortho, and then ultimately into the practice manager. So I did that. That was over about nine years. And then I took a break from work for a couple of years when I had my third child. I was out about two years. And then one of the physicians called me and asked if I wanted to come back and really just work for him directly. His specialty really was treating um, patients with complicated disorders like cerebral palsy and spina bifida. And, you know, when these kids have surgery, it's a big deal. And, you know, a lot of them would come from out of state to see him for surgery And he really wanted to help them at a level that the practice, just general, his support in the practice couldn't do. So I went back and, you know, kind of started out to be, it was supposed to be just a case manager for his complicated things, but then it kind of evolved into me being his right hand as well. You know, we called it his clinical manager, but in reflecting back at this point, it really was pretty much like a chief of staff type of role. Like, you know, he... I was kind of the go-to for him for his practice, as well as, you know, he was on boards in the hospital. He was on faculty with a medical device company. He was on a nonprofit board. So I really became his, you know, liaison for all of those things. Yeah, I can see that in the medical world, you would never... Well, it's just not common, especially in the practice space. And I have experience in that circle too. You don't hear the term director of operations and you really don't hear chief of staff. And that that's why I always say like, titles don't actually matter that much, right? It's when you boil down, that's why I'm asking you. I never ask you what your title is. I ask you what your responsibilities are, what we do, because I think it is so good to showcase the roles and responsibilities and really dim the light on the titles because titles are arbitrary. They mean something different in different industries. Like we're talking about today, you just don't hear the same titles, you know? And so, you know, yes, I am the founder of the Director of Operations Certification Program, but we still see common themes in the different responsibilities and the tasks that our community had before they came here. And so take away the title. And when we boil down the responsibilities, I'm hearing from you a lot of leadership, a lot of coordination, a lot of definitely a lot of accountability to both sides of the practice, probably him, the patients, I'm sure the team as well. And then when you step into that, leadership role as the chief of staff. And and I so remember as the chief of staff to the CEO in my position, coordinating on the boards and their volunteer work. And that it's definitely, you almost feel sometimes like they need a dedicated person for that side of their business, but there's just not enough income to be able to do it. And it always felt like to me that it didn't need to be like a full-time person doing it. So anyway, I love to see how the organization administration 
and leadership all have been a theme for your entire, you know, it sounds like your entire professional career. So it sounds like a lot of this work has been in the medical space. Was that just coincidence or was that a passion that you had? No. So I knew early on that like in my high school that I wanted to be in medical. So I started out in nursing and then went on to focus. I thought I was going to focus in cardiology, which I know is interesting because you have that background. (laughs) And I was finishing up some training in the cardiology area with EKGs and such, and then planning to go on to ECHO certification after that. And I took this part-time job temporary in the orthopedic office just for a few hours while I was finishing up and then just kind of fell in love and fell in line and never really went back and utilized the cardiology part of it. Wow. We are, our our worlds are massively colliding right now. (laughs) You say EKG and echoes and, you know, Stacey, I still have my, like a lot of cardiology nursing books over here. I don't know why I just don't get rid of them, but they do still sit on my shelf as, as a reminder of the the stuff and the content I used to really dive deep into. So (laughs) it's so interesting how lots of our students come from the medical, you know, all types of employment inside of the medical community. So where did you go from there outside of the community? I know you took a leap into entrepreneurship. Yeah. So I started my first kind of jump into entrepreneurship by becoming certified to teach children's etiquette. Wow. This is cool. (laughs) It's a little interesting. I really, basically I saw a need in Mm -hmm. my own children and their peers so I was looking for a program for my kids, couldn't really find one, saw the opportunity to become certified to teach it. So I did. I thought if nothing else, I can help my friends or you know, my kids and their peers. And then parents were really interested and it kind of turned into a little bit of a side hustle. And then it just, it kind of became something that I love doing. And I still do now and then, honestly, but Children are available evenings and weekends, and that's when I want to be with my own family. So it turned out to really not be something sustainable that I wanted to do ongoing. And it's funny when I think about that, it seems really out of the box for me. And I just had this realization, honestly, this morning, I think as I was thinking about this podcast, that part of my reason that I wanted to do the etiquette was because I felt like kids were not prepared for social situations. And in my mind now, I almost see that it was like, SOPs and like a plan for her, you know, like I remember I used to tell them all the time, you know, if you follow these guidelines, you will always be, you know, correct in the way you handle situations and your interactions with other people. And just somehow this morning, that light kind of went off for me. Yeah. So, it is a guidebook, right? Like, I mean, it's, it's telling you, this is, these are the boundaries. And if you stay down this path, this is what yes or good looks like. And this is what no or wrong looks like. So I can see that very much. And it was a way for me to help these kids, I thought, build confidence Mm -hmm. in that they couldn't necessarily control the way someone would respond to them on the other side in a social situation. But if they followed the guideline, so to speak, then they could put their head down at night and know I did the right thing. You can't control the way the person receives it on the other side. Yeah. And and the greatest, I'm sure there was a lot of gifts in that stage of your life and your professional life that the biggest blessing is that, was this the first time that you had really stepped into entrepreneurship and to do this, right? It's a, it started as a passion and, and a curious passion and a personal need. And we see entrepreneurs do this all the time, especially in this day and age where we leverage either a 
anything that we're passionate about. And then we look inside ourselves to see if we have the skills or we invest in it. Right. And then we start to build out of that passion. So I think, like I said, the greatest gift is that you got the knack and the itch for entrepreneurship, which is still alive in you today. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And I think ending that business directly led me to my next version because through that, a lot of the parents who would reach out to me to put their kids in the etiquette program were working, overwhelmed, had so much going on, you know, and I would frequently hear, we're so busy, our family. And when I finally have time with my kids, I don't want to sit down at the dinner table and be correcting them on their manners. They wanted to enjoy their time with their kids. So then that kind of put the light bulb out for me, you know, to move into the personal concierge world where I wanted to really help busy parents with all the things so that they could spend more time as a family, you know, so I was doing errands, some home organizing, you know, I could be the person at home to receive deliveries or meet service people while the, you know, working parents were out at work. So I loved doing that and felt like I was really supporting people. I started getting some requests about, are you helping businesses too? You know, and at first I said no, and then those, they kind of kept coming. So then I decided to entertain that. The first one really was an old, an old contact from the orthopedic world that, you know, asked me if I would support them. So I took that on. And then I think, again, I saw this light again about how moving more into a virtual support situation would help me maintain and create more of what I wanted for my family. So I kind of dropped the personal things and went completely into the business side. And what a gift that has been. So that was around the time of the beginning of the pandemic. Is that correct? Yes. Okay. Yes. Like I know the pandemic was hard for people, but I feel like for me, you know, I honestly feel like it was a blessing because it, it really shined a light for me on the fact that I wanted to be working from home again. And I wanted that for my family. And I started thinking about down the road, with my kids potentially living all these different places. And I really realized through that, that I wanted location flexibility, that I wanted to be able to work from wherever if I wanted to move or if I wanted to visit my kids where they were, because I don't think my kids will all end up settling back where we are now. Yes, I, I'm starting to to grasp at straws as I think of that exact same scenario for myself. But you're right. And I think that the pandemic, yes, of course, it was devastating. And we never minimized the loss and the just the heartstrings attached to all of the loss that occurred. And I know that you and I are, are very much the same in that. But at the same time, it gave a lot of people time to just slow down. And in this time of of speed and digital and, and the technology accessibility that we have, we never slow down, right? And here you are before this point, building a business by supporting other busy people. So you have a busy life, you're supporting busy people and you're physically having to be present. And so, you know, call it happenstance, call it divine timing. You now have the opportunity to step back and, and go inside introspectively and say, mm, what does Stacy really want? And I think for a lot of us, I bet for every single person listening to this, of course, there was hard times inside of that year or two or three of the pandemic. But at the same time, I think a lot of people got clarity in established new boundaries, new wishes, a new vision for themselves. And flexibility for people like us is very important because of the ages of our children and, and the fact that they're going to bloom and go and do as they wish. And that's what we want them to do. And now it's our turn to be really mobile for them. So 
location flexibility is something I very much resonate with. And so going virtual was the next step for you. Is that right? Absolutely. Yeah. So that takes us almost to today. Before we do that, I think this is where you and I came together, I believe, right about this point in your journey. How did you find out about the certification or how did you come across the Ops Authority? So I am an eight fact finder. So I'm a researcher. And when I started feeling like I wanted more in my business, I kind of just started researching and somehow I'd come across OBM. So I did some research on that. I bought a book. I don't actually remember who the author was, but from one of the women who has a strong OBM program. And I started reading the book and it just didn't completely feel like it was in alignment with me. There's nothing wrong with it. It just, I don't know why I didn't feel aligned with it. So I kind of set that aside and let things go. And, and then ultimately I, I think somehow operations came up trying to think if maybe, I think one of my clients kind of gave me the operations manager title. And so I started thinking, hmm, you know, so I started looking into operations and um, I think that's how I came across the ops authority in you. And then like right at that time, there was a scope creep workshop. So I joined that and just immediately knew like, this is what I need to do. Like I was immediately connected with your mission and values and the scope creep thing I 100% could relate to. So that was just once I did that, I was in. Awesome. What ultimately led you to getting certified? I think part of it is probably just fear in myself, but I also think part of my conditioning comes from healthcare in that I feel this, I have to stay in my lane. And, you know, I think that doing the program, I felt like it was going to give me the confidence to up level, but I also felt like I just needed that credential. You know what I mean? I thought it would give me that. And really my goal was to not necessarily even grow my income, you know, at this point, I was at a point that my goal was to keep my income, but work less. I think especially after the scope creep and everything, I just really felt like the program would do that for me. Yeah, that is a very valid point. I think we are conditioned, I think, especially, well, I know, especially as a female, we are conditioned that we have to work more to earn more. And so there is a lot of deprogramming that has to happen for all of us. Actually, it doesn't even matter like age and experience level. I don't know why we are programmed if it's just an American thing, if it's just a cultural thing for right now. But yeah, I, I think we that is an aha that a lot of people have like, oh, I can actually make the same amount of money instead of having six clients, I can have three and define my deliverables a little bit greater. And it seems, it does seem super, it seems backwards that you could actually remove some responsibilities and get more clear and have more boundaries. And yet at the same time, create higher revenue or at least replace, you know, come back to the same amount of revenue. So but we see it every single day. And I think for so many of us who have struggled and continue to struggle with this, because I am surrounded, we have built a community of very heart-centered, driven, service-oriented women, and we will over-deliver and over-give. Over-delivering is fantastic, but when we don't have that scope or a clear understanding of what the other person's expecting, we tend to just over-pour and do things that they don't even, they're not even wanting us to do. But 
because we want to be accepted, because we want to deliver, because we want to be referable. We end up doing all these things that are completely out of scope that they are not even asking for. But all of those things make a, let's just say a 10 hour commitment per week into a 15 hour commitment. And if you're doing that times four different people, you're giving away, you know, 20 hours, you know, it really is crazy. And we do this. Oh, I see the pattern over and over and over. So I'm glad that you caught that yourself and you define that as a goal, because I know that in our work together, it has been very helpful to set that goal in front of you and then redesign. And that's, we get a lot of people inside of the certification who are trying to do that, right? Not necessarily come down a number of clients or hours, but to just redesign and repackage the skills and the gifts that they have, kind of trim the fat of the things that don't have to be, and then go focus in on what they do have and what is needed, where they can meet the client, the perfect client, their ideal client at a place where they're allowed to just come in and be their best version of themselves. And and I believe that that is where we actually get compensated the most. We enjoy what we're doing the most. We don't feel like we have to work nights and weekends. We also get the experience of delivering our best work to the best people. And it doesn't feel like work at that point. So that's my goal for myself and for anybody else who comes into the program. So thank you for sharing all of that. Tell me just your take on the certification. What was your experience like as you, as we navigated the six months program together? The first word I can say is transformational. It changed me as a person, as a service provider, and as a business owner completely. You know, I have more confidence. It's taken me a little bit to pull it all together and process it, I think. but. I'm more confident. I feel like it's kind of brought me back to who I was. Like I was pretty confident back in my days, back in the medical practice. And I set boundaries for myself. And, you know, I advocated for the schedule that I needed for my family. But I think when I came out into this entrepreneurial space, I played small. Like I just, I felt like I I didn't have the same confidence in myself. So it's put the confidence back in me. I deepened my knowledge in some things that I already knew. I learned about things that I had no really knowledge or experience in at all. I think, you know, the videos are really thorough and helpful, you know, to process. And I'm a note taker. So I like to watch the videos and take my notes, you know, while I was doing that. The weekly calls were great because even if you didn't come into it with a question of your own, just being there and hearing some someone else's question would almost always resonate. You think, oh, I didn't even think about that, but it was so helpful that someone asked it. You know, the accountability coaches were great to just, you know, obviously accountability, keep you on track and moving forward, but just really good for like moments of clarity when you felt stuck. That was great. The case studies, you know, the case studies kind of push you to really step out of your box a little bit and try things, especially if it's something new. And it just helps with that confidence because you get to try it without like in the safe space, without putting yourself out there. If it's something new for you, or if it's up leveling yourself to something, you know, a place you haven't been before. And then the community afterward is amazing. Um, just, I still meet regularly with a couple of people from my cohort every week. We're kind of our own accountability partners for one another. And we kind of brainstorm and support one another. So that is invaluable. And, you know, I, I mean, I could just go on the, the alumni Facebook group is so helpful. And then I also, I I've opted to stay in inner circle as well, which is invaluable to me right now. 
Awesome. Well, thank you so much for sharing all of that. I, I love to hear it from your perspective. I'm in tune enough with every single student to kind of, I almost can expect how you're feeling and how you're navigating. That's just one of the gifts that I have. And it just, it's awesome to hear from your own words and a spoken, you know, spoken back to me and then also anyone who listens to this, but I'm so grateful to be on the other side of this because I see myself in every single person that comes through here. When I was putting this content together, actually, even when you said operations, I don't know how many times I need to say this. Not even 10 years ago, would I have said that I am really good at operations. I would have said I'm really good at human resources and I'm really good at project management. It was my leap from corporate into entrepreneurship where I started to see project management as really like, like Pandora's box, like the beginning of all of the things that I was good at, but I had no term to put them together. And so it took me reading and being curious. And actually somebody gave me the title of actually we were at a networking event and someone said, so are you kind of like a director of operations or operations manager? And honey, I couldn't get home fast enough to start researching what that meant. (laughs) So then kind of unraveling it and looking at all of my experiences and then putting, I, I would say, oh my goodness, well, I've done this and I've done this and I've done this. I didn't hold those titles, Stacy, just like you didn't. But when I started to look at the skills, the responsibilities and the requirements for being in operations, the disciplines of operations, I was like, wow, Natalie, I have been holding myself back. I need to go to the next level myself. And that's exactly what I did. Even the difference, and there's just a slight difference from the chief of staff, which is my ultimate role inside of corporate America, but even from that chief of staff role into being a director of operations for small businesses, there was still an up-level that happened in that jump. And it took me being very curious and understanding what operations was. But, you know, it sounds like, I think a lot of us naturally have imposter, like, oh, I've never been in operations. I can't call myself that. And then you start researching it like Stacy and I do. And all of a sudden I'm like, oh, well, I've, I've been looking at financials for a long time. I am extremely analytical. Of course, like I would have never called myself like a data scientist or anything like that. But part of my success in my career has been because I am analytical, because I create spreadsheets, because I'm looking for trends. And so those are just characteristics and things that we've always done. It's kind of like your etiquette story, right? Like you love creating structure probably for your family, for the people around you. People have probably relied on you because of the structure that you inherently provide. And so building off of that and and trying to give that gift to someone else the beginning of that has landed you here. And it's just the dots looking back, the breadcrumbs are always so, so cool. But thanks again for, for sharing what your experience was like and for taking advantage of all of it, Stacey. I mean, I think the greatest part is that as a student, we saw you take advantage. Your, your presence was always there. And, you know, we always get the question every single time, what are your best students? What do they do? <laughs> They do everything we ask them to do. (laughs) So thank you for being one of those students who showed up, who contributed, who supported, and who also received the support, showed up to Quick 15s and met with the accountability advisors and continued to be just a really great contributor to our community. So tell us, all of us, what your current work situation is. We kind of described who you were right before and then historically, then the certification came in. Now tell us what you are doing and what your business looks like today. Sure. So I currently have two retainer clients. I have transitioned away from one of my original three 
just because the role was not really what I wanted to be doing anymore. So I've transitioned out of one. I have two retainer clients at this point. I have in one up-leveled my title, my compensation, my responsibilities. We are hiring another contractor, you know, for implementation support that will report directly to me. So that one is definitely involved. You know, I'm kind of taking it in stages. I'm working through getting everything settled there. And then we're going to kind of start working through my other client as far as, you know, where I would like things to go and, you know, kind of up-leveling in that area. And then I've recently added in some strategy and consulting opportunities. I feel really comfortable with my retainer clients. I don't want to bring on another retainer at this point. And I feel like I can help somebody different a little bit through the consulting and strategy. You know, my my retainer clients are, you know, a little bigger and further further advanced, I guess I would say, in their journeys. But I feel a need to kind of go back and help like an earlier version of myself. And so I feel like I can do that with some strategy sessions and consulting for, it could be someone who is at a level with, you know, a DOO or an OBM or something like that. But I think I can also provide a price point and some value that's attainable and helpful for like a solopreneur or maybe somebody with just one person to help them Mm -hmm. keep themselves on track and really identify what they want. Yes. It sounds like you've been a strategist probably your whole adult life in some capacity. And so, you know, I think because you've got these several years of being an entrepreneur and going through this and building what, whether it was one business or three different types of businesses, you've got the entrepreneurial experience inside of you and you get to take that forward with you. It can never be taken away. And I remember the exact same itch, Stacey, when I was like, oh, everyone was like, oh, go for the avatar above you you know, keep looking for big, big, big. And for about three years, I chose actively chose to work with my peers or people who were, who had a little experience in the business game, but you know, were just a little behind me because there was a lot, I had a lot of confidence and and maybe you feel the exact same way in helping navigate that level of problem or difficulty or obstacle that that business owner is having. And so there was a lot of reward. I'm going to tell you that the rewards were so wonderful in that beginning stage because of my own business. But when I was partnering with people who were what I call pre-scaling in their business, they are so coachable. You, I mean, of course, there's always somebody who will take that, that, uh, <laughs> that statement and make a, a fool out of me, but they're so curious themselves. They want to be successful. They are going to people that they trust, who have some experience, who are still able to identify with who they are and they're sponges for you. And so you really get the opportunity. I wish you the best of luck with that offer and that avatar, I can see you being extremely successful. It was one of my most fun parts of building the business that has continued to transform that you're seeing today. But as a service provider, providing that operational strategy, something that people are not necessarily seeking, right? Like a solopreneur is not looking around saying, I need an operational strategist. They're looking for what they're probably going to term a business coach. And uh, there's a lot of other things that they may be looking for, right? A mentor, a business coach, somebody. And these people are probably your friends, right? Like they're not necessarily people that you have to go look out for on the internet. They're very, there's a lot of them inside of our own communities. And so you again, have the flexibility to build that however you want, but there's always going to be a lot of emerging businesses. So it's a very nice, big, wide avatar. 
And I bet once you get grounded in what you want, you know, just more experience, you're going to find and be able to nail down a specific avatar because it, it can get really, really narrow inside of that space. But I'm excited for the consulting part too. And then do you provide strategic mappings right now? I do. I do strategic mapping with, you know, an option off of the back end, you know, if somebody would like uh, consulting, you know, opportunity to kind of stay on board for just advisory and accountability for them or their integrating person, you know, to do that off the back end. I love it. So if strategic mapping, if you're listening to that and you're like, hmm, what does that mean? Well, it's one of our signature licensed proprietary products that we have inside of our certification. And so it is the gold standard of being a director of operations. It's how we like to start relationships because it really helps us to see what is inside of the business, the complexities of the business, any gaps. And then the business owner is left with a beautiful strategic map that they are able to take action on. Or if it works out and the business is the right fit, the director of operations can stay on in, in lots of different capacities. So I just wanted to see if you were leveraging that. And I love that you are. It's just the best way to get to understand how you can continue or not continue with a client. So I think the strategic mapping is, I mean, I'm sure you think so too. It's kind of the cornerstone of the DO program. I mean, yeah. it's great that it's at the beginning because one, you can start getting out there with it right away, but it just, I feel like the process of learning it early on in the program changes your mind about mm -hmm. how you think and what you see and just mm -hmm. seeing, I saw myself as a problem solver at a different level by going through that part of the program. Thank you so much. Yeah. I, it was my own methodology for me protecting myself from undesirable situations, undesirable clients also a way for me to create boundaries and for me to communicate. Cause remember I was brand new. I was coming from corporate into a, a space that I didn't really know, which was a lot of course creators, those people that were leveraging digital marketing. And I knew nothing about digital marketing. And so I didn't want to oversell myself because trust me, I did that. And that was very uncomfortable. I wanted to come in and really understand what, the, and that's what my gift was. I didn't even see that as my gift, but I could come in and holistically understand what a business looked like and give them a really good understanding of how they could move forward. Their next three positive steps or five, whatever it may be, help them prioritize and understand where they should be putting money and time and resources into. And that's just something that kind of came with my package my whole life until I took a second to kind of, and it took a lot of seconds. I really believe it took me about a year to dissolve what I was doing, which is now what we call the strategic you know, mapping model. But it took me a long time to really understand how my brain, I mean, when you try to write down how your brain is working, that is not an easy exercise. <laughs> and then be able to communicate and teach it. That was a real special time for me. But really, Stacey, that's how I protected myself from having scope creep. And I know that that long-term protection of scope creep is really, really difficult, but I learned that the hard way. I learned that I had to put those boundaries into place because I would over-serve, I would over-give, and they would expect me to be a digital marketer if I didn't tell them I wasn't a digital marketer. <laughs> and because I love serving people and I want to make them happy and I want their businesses to be successful, 
I found myself trying to become a digital marketer when I don't have the gifts and skill sets to do that. So the the strategic mapping model is truly how I built that. And then, like I said, it equipped me to really understand who I wanted to work with and who I didn't want to work with. And it was a win-win at the end of it, no matter if I wanted to continue with them or not, because they still had this beautiful next step process for them and their team to jump off on if they wanted to continue or if they didn't want to continue with me. So I'm glad that you are taking advantage of that as well. I think that lots of our DOO students do. And what I wanted to pull out of this is I like that you have created it as a standalone offer. If it needs to be you, I think you're pretty solid with the two retainer clients. And so this is a great way to generate additional income, to help more people, to have kind of some project-based revenue coming into your business, which no one ever gets upset about. (laughs) Definitely. It just, it's kind of now the foundation of everything I do. I think I didn't really see myself as a strategist before that. It's just, it's changed a lot for me. And, you know, the kind of smaller strategy sessions, I'm calling them, you know, for maybe newer or, you know, some of the business owners who aren't quite as far along, like, I think strategic mapping has helped me create that concept as another thing that I can offer in my business. It's sort of, you know, it's, it's, in my mind, like a, an adapted version of that, a scaled down, pared down, adapted version of, you know, the similar methodology. Awesome. I love that you're putting it to work and it is such a great catalyst for businesses. And at the end of the day, I think both of us are, are just really here to be of service to people. And when we can see someone take, you know, us be able to package something that can help them take the next step, we are honored and feel really, really blessed and aligned when we can do that. So All right, let's wrap up. What is the one big change that coming through the certification has made on your business or your life? I think it really boils down to how I've restructured my business model and created that extra time. You know, I'm not working on the weekends. I am just the mental capacity I think that it's created for me is just different in that I'm not at my desk as much. And when I'm with my family, I'm able to really check out now. Like I've created a business for myself now that allows me to have a more firm line between this is when I'm working and this is when I'm with my family and the lines are not as blurred as they used to be. So just being present with my family in a different way, I think is really my biggest takeaway. And one of my biggest motivators, like that's what's most important to me. I want to be there with my family and the time with them is what I want the most. Yes. That legacy is the biggest driver for me. It's why I'm still here, right? I I could have certainly gone and made a lot, a lot of easier money, more money by, you know, following somebody else's mission and their and buying into their vision. But when I did the hard work, just like you, Stacey, and realized that, you know, whatever I need to do to leverage the skills I have and to be present for my family, build a legacy that I'm proud of is, is the extent to where I will go. And it's not the easiest path sometimes, but it is a super fulfilling path after, you know, we're recording this here in the summer of 2022. And I've been on the road for about five weeks at this point with my son's baseball. And he's got one more summer here at the house before he is on his way. And I will wrap up before I start tearing up because that this is really the culmination of all of the work that I've put in just like you to get to a place where we can enjoy these moments that are fleeting. So 
legacy centered. I'm grateful to have a community of people who value legacy in different ways. Not everybody has children here. Not everybody, you know, has a spouse and a family like me, but legacy does seem to be a theme between a lot of us here inside of the ops authority. Stacey, thank you so much for being here. Thanks for being an awesome spokesperson for the director of operations certification program. Do you have a website or something that you would like to share with the people that are listening today? I do. My website is kevinlaneconcierge.com. I do have a Facebook page and I do have a LinkedIn, but I am not at all active. So you can find me there, but you won't find much to see. (laughs) (laughs) Busy serving other people. I love it. And the great thing is when you're not trying to build a book of business with 10, 12, 15 different clients, you don't have to do crazy, crazy levels of marketing. So I love it. Stacey, thank you so much for being here. Thanks so much for authentically showing up and just sharing your story and your experiences here. I am very, very grateful to have you as a part of this community, a friend and a peer. And friends, if you would head over to theopsinsiders.com, you will find our community of operators that we are building. And I'd love to have you be a part of that. Again, head on over to theopsinsiders.com and we will talk to you next week. Thank you, Stacey. Thank you. Thank you for investing just a little bit of time to listen to this episode of the Ops Authority Podcast. I am so grateful to be surrounded by real action takers like you who are invested in growing their business through operations. Will you add one more action to your to-do list today? Visit theopsauthoritypodcast.com where you can join our community of business owners and other ops experts. You're going to hear from me in a week, but in the meantime, do big things on the backside of your business.